Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Jen. Welcome to Marginalia Pod. Where we treat reading as a sacred practice and find meaning and connections through our favourite books. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Gurungai and Daru people, traditional custodians of the land where I am recording today, and pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. I'd also like to acknowledge Mana Whenua of Te Awa Kairangi Kitai, where I'm recording today. Uh, Another uh, week. Done. Another Good job. Week, a beautiful Saturday. And it's, it's officially February, day. so new <gasps> month, new you. The hell month is over. I was going to take February to like rewrite my story, and then I realized it was like the fourth, and I was I was a little bit a little bit confused at how that happened. I didn't get any of my story planning done, so maybe that's like a start on Valentine's Day thing. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Any you can any day is a new beginning, right? So <laughs> you don't have to wait for like a momentous first of the month or anything. You can just start whenever you're ready. Exactly. It doesn't have to be. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be on the first. But I do quite like a symmetrical like beginning. I think that's why NaNoWriMo works for so many people. Like you just get the one month to do it, and you have that time. So mm. let's spark joy for you this week. Oh well, we're getting. This is really boring, but this is like home ownership. Um, we need to get some repairs done to the weatherboards on one part of our house because of water ingress issues, which we knew when we bought the house, and mm. we've been umming and eyeing with the builder. And he's now coming next week. It was supposed to be the end of Feb, but he had a cancellation, so he's coming to fix it next week. And I'm looking at it right now, and he's like already torn bits of the windowsill off. So yet again, I'm in a room with half the wall missing, which seems to be my lot in life. But yeah, he's going to fix it next week. So And the weather's looking good, so hopefully it'll be a quick job, and then it's done. And then we can get our insurance updated for water ingress, because as people might know that Auckland is flooding away right now, so it feels Mm. quite pertinent to get your weather insurance up to date. Yes, we um mm. we were reassigned to be on a floodplain, even though we're on like what's called a hundred year floodplain. Yeah, that's we're the, on like, those. Likelihood. Mm-hmm. So we now that we just got a letter from council saying we can do no complying developments. We have to now get everything approved, which is expensive. And I was like, mm, surely they don't mean me. It's fine. I'm just gonna put a porch <laughs> on. So so we'll see what happens. Um, please, if you're listening to this, anybody in my local council, I, I'm definitely not in your local council. I definitely live somewhere else. And the one next door, maybe. Yeah, love that, love that. Um, what sparked joy for you this week? Uh, well, I just came from a birthday party for uh, a mutual friend, uh, our friend SJ. And she's somebody who, I, whenever I think of SJ, I just always have such a big smile on my face because she's just the most gentle and lovely person who has really had like a rough time in some ways. But mm. she's got a great sense of humor. And a couple years ago, she really found love, found someone that she wanted to be with, and they bought a house, and they got married, and she married another Jen, which is like a bonus. We're everywhere. We love a Jen. We love a Jen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just, so it was really nice. And when she said, can you come out to my party? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, wild horses could not drag me away. Um, because she doesn't really ask very much of, of her friends, I think. Like, she doesn't really take very much. So I was like, I would give anything to make <laughs> to make it to this party. And it wasn't that far away. And it was just really beautiful. And there was carrot cake. And I had chips and lemon lime bitters. And got to hang out mm-hmm. with a bunch of our friends, our riding friends that we haven't I haven't seen in years because of the pandemic. It just felt like a really nice way to spend an afternoon seeing friends. I often think about how lucky we were to have that riding group. And even the friend I met today for lunch that I was telling you about before... Mm. I know her because she was in a writing a nano writing group with Frank, right? So that's how yeah. I know her. And like obviously we had that writing group in Sydney that was an offshoot from Nano as well. And it was just like such yeah. a lovely thing to be able to do how we kept doing that. It yeah. really was. I, good... I think there were some noises about maybe going back and doing it again. So some Thursdays this year. I'm hoping that we actually managed to like meet up and write. That would be so good, wouldn't it? To just So good. It was a lovely pocket of time that was. Yeah, we got very little writing done, but a lot of community building, which I'm realizing is like actually the point. Yeah, and I remember ne- like never being able to afford food and I just always had Diet Cokes. Because <laughs> like life as a student, right? What a different time that was. Yes, the getting an order of chips to split 10 ways or whatever when you're yeah, a yeah, student. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, everybody gets four chips and that's dinner. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this week we're reading chapters 21 to 27 through the theme of escape. Did you have a story about escape, Laura? I kind of have an ode to escape. I, I live inside my brain so much. I think this is something very common for people who have ADHD. Like my brain is always going. It's constantly worrying along. It doesn't ever really shut up. It just gets quiet enough for me to sleep, but it's still going. And I kind of 
needed ways when I was younger to get out of my head and I didn't really have any ways of escaping my own thoughts. So I would spiral and get really upset and I would fixate on things unhealthily. And I think when you live with yourself and you have this sort of mental difference where your brain isn't just quiet and malleable and will do what you tell it to do, it's really hard to to kind of work with that if you don't have the resources and the resilience. And I, I definitely didn't as a kid. So the thing that saved me when I was younger was was reading because I could just completely evaporate from my own body and be someone else somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the books I read back then I still reread today. So I, I go through the Anne of Green Gables and the Emily of New Moon books every couple of years and just reread them so that they're fresh in my mind so that I still feel the same way. Like a lot of those books were just home to me. But mm-hmm. as soon as I got old enough to drive, that was really when I started to be able to get all of the itchy, fluffy, weird feelings out because I could just go for a long drive somewhere and listen to music as loud as I wanted. And it was like my brain could take a back seat because I was doing something. So I was I was in the car. I was having to be aware of my surroundings. It was like enough stimulation to keep my brain occupied. But I was still not thinking of all the things I had to do. I wasn't like worrying or stressing. I was just focusing on driving or singing to, you know, whatever it was I listened to back then, Linkin Park probably. Mm-hmm. And there was something really beautiful about just being able to like slip out of what I knew I had to be doing and do something completely absorbing. And I think I've been chasing that feeling my whole life, really, like reading or play acting when I was a really little kid, writing now as is my way of sort of like dissolving from my own skin and becoming someone else for a while. And, uh, you know, for a while in therapy, I was like, is this bad? Is this something I really need to work on? Like, why, why do I have trouble staying present? But I don't think it's actually that bad. I think that it's just kind of the quiet place I need to go to. So it's, it's about building that escape for myself, you know, like I need that for my own brain. And I think it's okay to have that. And it's taken me a really long time to come to terms with the fact that, like, I don't actually want to escape my noisy brain. I quite like my brain. But I do need to do something that gets me out of my head a bit sometimes so that I can recalibrate. And that's okay. So that's my ode to escape and why escape can be so valuable. Oh, I love that. I do think it's important sometimes just to get not out of your brain so much as just have something that you're entirely focused on in the present. So, like, cross-stitching for me does that, right? Because I'm just, like focusing on that and my mate Frank he goes rock climbing and it does the same thing for him right it's this idea that you're only focusing on the task in front of you right now you're not getting lost in something else and I think running does that for you in a lot of ways too. running gets the fluff out yeah for sure because I can't focus on anything but the run and I'm really looking forward to winter Jen I cannot wait for (laughs) it to be cold again it's been so humid and hot that I'm just as you can see I'm very sunburned right now so (laughs) I want to be out there where it's not gonna kill me it is very humid here as well. It's just sweltering. Like, mm. it's it's not hot, but if you do anything, it, you feel it, right? Like, any sort of yeah. moving around outside, you just feel it. Yes. The other day, I went outside for, like, 15 minutes, and it was only 23 degrees, but I was dripping when I got back inside. And I was just picking tennis balls up out of the grass. I wasn't, like, doing anything really extenuating. It was just... Yeah, I just walked, so like, five minutes muggy. down the road to go get some ice cream for my housemate, and oh, by the time I got... Uh, yeah uh, covid support unit um when i came back i was just so hot because <laughs> i was wearing jeans of course so i'm like no nah, i need to change into my house shorts because it's too humid for this um cool yeah. should i do our chapter summaries for us oh yes please yes please so it turns out that the ren fair is very fun simon enjoys people thinking he's just in cosplay they mooch around for a bit until they find some actual vampires taking advantage of the festival and they immediately swing into action and slay them all. They make a quick getaway, but someone is on their trail. They try to lose their pursuer, but they find themselves in a quiet zone surrounded by wares. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it's a very scary set of chapters. So I would be freaked out if I was on a road trip and someone was following us for like two hours. Yeah, I think especially when he gets off the motorway and now you're like in the dead middle of nowhere, there are no lights, you're just driving in the dark and this car is just like looming behind you. And even the way that they're being followed, it's not like right on their tail. It's almost not aggressive, but that kind of constant, it's that kind of serial killer chase through the forest, right? Where they're not speeding up, they're just like following you and you're running out of steam. It's the persistence predator thing. You just walk behind the woolly mammoth till it dies of exhaustion and then we've caught it. Yeah, quite creepy. Um, And even Simon at one point is like, I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy that that we can't just fight. Like, I just want to stop and fight. 
That was very stressful that they couldn't escape from their pursuer and they ended up stuck, unable to escape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they couldn't escape from one person and then it caused them to have to escape from another group of people. And they had to rely on Shep to get them out of there, which is what sucks. Like, that would make me really mad. I, I'm in Penny's camp here of like a hot cup of BS. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So funny. So many lols in this section, though, despite everything. <laughs> like, when Baz is like, oh, well, you know, we'll snap it. I'll sit behind him and snap his neck. And someone's like, do you even know how to snap someone's neck? I should show you before we get in the car. I kept thinking about how Simon knows all of these things. Like, he's so good at fighting, like, mm-hmm. actually physically fighting. And he talks about the way that everyone else thinks, like, oh, you have to be a magician first. But then that doesn't work everywhere. And he's the only one that's, like, really competent at fighting. Because he talks about, like, at the Ren Fair, Baz and the other vampire, they're fighting, like, two steam engines. Like, they have no skill they're just like crash 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 yeah it drives me wild that simon keeps thinking that he's got nothing to offer or no value mm. like he thinks he's a normal but he's good for nothing but he is so good at fighting he's and he so remains good at, good at it and he is the major's heir like honestly it drives me I, like i become feral so he's talking in that bit in the car where he's thinking to himself and he's like i was never good with a wand but my magic would annihilate anything that came close to me blah 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 i've got nothing now but mm. two very powerful friends and yet penny's like okay so i've got simon And I've got Baz, so I'm going to be okay. Like, she knows that there's value in Simon. Baz still really appreciates Simon's fighting. He thinks he's beautiful in battle. Like, he still has that real appreciation. And he still expects Simon to hold his own in a fight, regardless of whether he's magic or not. But Simon just doesn't see it at all. And it makes me so mad. Yeah. It's like he's aware of it as a thing, but he doesn't see it as valuable. Like, he's aware that he needs, that he has the skill and he's good at fighting, but he just doesn't see it as valuable. I think he just has expectations. Like, he expects more of himself. And he Mm. sees the way that other people are behaving and he thinks that that is somehow better. So he looks at Baz and he's like, he's coming into himself and I'm coming apart, right? He sees this whole, like, he knows how to dress himself after school, whereas I'm just a mess. Like, he just has these expectations of what his life should be. And being good at fighting doesn't fit into it. But, I mean, you could 100% make that, like, a career. Go be a stuntman. I was thinking, why doesn't he offer fighting lessons for magical people? Why doesn't he offer this to mages because like what happens if you are in a dead zone in the uk or if you're in a quiet zone in the u.s and hobgoblins come for you like you are screwed he should absolutely be like yes i'm magical judo man or whatever i don't yeah, know yeah 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 totally agree could run a fight school for sure 100 percent. where's our fight club with simon snow that's oh my god that sounds toxic af let's write <laughs> the first fight club AU. Simon Snow's fight club is you tell all your friends and you charge them an arm and a leg to join and everyone gets scones afterwards and, and lots of cold butter i was thinking of the renaissance fair as an escape right as an escape from reality yeah. and an ex- escape from expectation of how you should behave or whatever but for simon obviously and for bears and penny but also for the people who attend this and i think these yeah. spaces so very often offer a reprieve for people who can't find their you know their place in a conventional quote unquote society and when you go to things like this it allows you to be who you feel at your core you are and you can't really be like comic-con or gigs or festivals you see this all the time people go to these communal spaces and they get to escape and truly embody themselves in that moment and i think having that opportunity to escape really gives you an opportunity to explore who you want to be and explore your identity a bit more and who you think you are and I think both Simon and Baz talk about it in that section about you know they don't know who they are in this moment they don't know who they are in this place and Simon's like could the person I am now kiss the person that he is now you know that sort of yeah losing of self and there's just this juxtaposition that absolutely kills me between the two of them like on page 104 Simon says Baz smiles at me like he hasn't in a while like he almost never has in public like it's easy Mm. and then on page 119 Baz says I can still feel his mouth on mine his arms around me for the first time in so long maybe for the first time ever like that so heady and carefree I have those two put together in exactly the same way (laughs) it's just so good that they've got this moment where they're just free to be themselves and who they are in those moments when they are just unencumbered yeah it's two people who are in love with each other and who want to make each other happy and it just honestly they can be that all the time the only thing standing in their way is themselves yeah it's not being afraid of the repercussions like they're so into the moment that they're able to just reach out for each Mm. other which is just Mm. wonderful and also so heartbreaking because then it like stops it's just uncanny how it taps into all of those insecurities of early relationships 
It's so painful. Like every section just has this gut punch, right? So I think the section page 112, when Baz mm-hmm. is like, are you still mine? I'd ask him, do you still want this? But I don't because I don't want to hear him say no. And it's just like, oh, I know. I want to die. I just want to die. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, I, I love that they get to escape into the Ren Fair, as you say, but I kind of wondered if who they are is so fundamental. They feel like they can't escape their obligations because mm. as soon as they see vampires, even Baz is like, no, we have to go do something about it. Yeah, Simon is almost like, actually, we can just leave it because he's like, apparently I'm the person who makes excuses for vampires now because he yeah. is in love with the vampire. Which makes him uniquely positioned to actually see this in a much more unbiased mm. way than the other two, I think. Because Penny, she's just off on her own taking them on. Like, she hasn't even consulted yeah. the other two. She just takes action. And we'll know that yeah. Baz later on in this book is going to have a real kind of come-to-Jesus moment over the fact that he's killed these vampires and being like, oh, maybe they weren't going to murder these women. Am yeah. I now culpable yeah. for this? Like, what is the line, right? Yeah, and how how bad are all of these people? Yeah, and Penny has that throwaway line which is like, oh yeah, I'm not going to get in trouble for killing vampires. There's metal for that but there's something so disconnected like you know a vampire you know Baz so (laughs) what makes that different it feels very much like the token vampire friend do you know what I mean yeah no it's okay because he's a mage so it's okay you know like yeah 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 like he's a good vampire so he's fine like it's the Shirley clause. Surely they'll make an exception for this one friend of mine, I guess. Like that that's the other side of it. It's just icky. It's icky that Baz has that much loathing for Himself. vampires. And well, yeah, and this is the thing. Like at one point when they go to like spy on what the vampires are doing, and Simon's like, Oh, your people are perverts. He goes, Those aren't my people. Mm. Um they aren't, but also, yeah, they are, you know? So a really great TikTok today, actually, on this, where this person was going into how often white people, in particular, will reject certain elements of their past culture. And this was a particular example using, like, Irish yodeling, like, used in the Cranberry songs and stuff like that. And this guy was like, oh, I wonder where mm-hmm. the origin of this is. And he went into a big deep dive on it. And all the comments were like, the Irish stopped doing this in the 1800s. We don't do that anymore. It implies that we stopped developing as a culture, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, why are you like this? This is so weird. Why are you... Ex- taking the colonizers culture as the superior culture why are you denying your past and i feel like that's kind of what baz is doing in this moment he's like no 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 i'm too proper for that those aren't my people you know yeah because he's so reserved and so very english in that way like Hmm. no stiff upper lip we don't have emotions there's something there about the way that they're not able to fully embrace who they are and i think because baz doesn't really know anybody else that's like him and he doesn't know, like for him, it's very black and white, right? There is no nuance. Like he's the only vampire who is not eating people. Therefore, he's like the only one doing the right thing. But he's also still a vampire. So he's still a monster. Like he can't reconcile being a vampire with being a good vampire because he feels like being a vampire itself is just evil or immoral. And part of the reason is because he's still trying to avenge his mother's murder, right? Like mm. he's unwittingly become one of the people that killed his mom i think yeah and he's definitely internalized a lot of that what would my mother do he's always thinking about that and always has he has that thing that she wouldn't want me to be alive the way i am right now right so he's always like almost overcompensating and i love when he says penny is his mother's daughter (laughs) so good i know i caught that too i thought that it meant that they were spiritual siblings but it it also is a kind of rejection of the self isn't it Mm. that he recognizes his his mother's daughter and someone who's not even related to his mother. It's interesting all this vampire kind of self-loathing and moralization of being a vampire that comes up in this because he then mentions having read Anne Rice. So, you know, I love this escape that you take into literature or art, right? Like, as you said in your story, this is a form of escaping your reality, escaping your brain. And it's, again, that kind of power and representation. Like, when you see yourself reflected in a piece of media, it's the first time you really feel seen. So he says on page 110, of course I've read Anne Rice. I was a 15-year-old closet case whose parents pretended they didn't notice when the family dog disappeared. So you've read Anne Rice, (laughs) and yet you still have this very black and white view of being a vampire. And I don't, like, I've read them. I don't really think that, that, I don't know how you came away from that with that point of view, it's, it's peak Louis behavior. And we all know that Lestat is the MVP of the Vampire Chronicles. I haven't read them in such a long time. I think I read Interview with a Vampire and I was like, this was just a lot of melodrama. <laughs> That's because it's Louis's away. book. Yeah, like, honestly, the Vampire Lestat's very good. Queen of the Damned, I think, is the best one. Mm. Vampire Armand's quite good. I quite enjoy Varma- Armand as a concept. And then they get really weird. Isn't that when she stopped using an editor, though? There was something about how she had, like, a no editor clause. Like, she would just push back. I don't know. It's a whole thing with Anne Rice. Like, the lore around Anne Rice, the author, is so (laughs) enormous. 
it gets wild though like some of them are just still with me to this day just some imagery just lingers with me and I'm like oh I should not have read that as a 16 year old (laughs) but when we're 16 we're reading all of this stuff to try and figure out the people we want to become a vampire as it transpires but you know it's not gonna happen for me (laughs) um I do love that when they're trying to be diplomatic when they're cornered by the wares the thing that makes Simon the most angry is when that goat person is trying to like cop a feel of Baz and that's when he goes off and Baz is like he's no less explosive than he or he's less explosive than he used to be but no less a spectacle I love that he's still like so aware of Simon going off and Simon going off is still a thing that can happen even without magic he's still like incredibly powerful poised to explode and ready to go like fighting the good fight I just love it and beautiful in battle like there's some really beautiful moments the way that Baz describes him is so loving and so beautiful like Mm. I just love that line on page 129 Snow whips out his hand to rescue it he glances over at me for just a second holding it like a banner so he's grabbed the scarf right it's just like such a beautiful moment I can just see it there's something so poignant about it this whole section reads like a movie script to me I can Mm. see it happening so clearly in my mind like I can envision it perfectly every bit of it yeah yeah. When is our movie coming? I want to see it. When is our TV show coming? It's Honestly. Like three when? 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 Um, yeah, but gosh. we need to write it because only we would do it justice. Obviously, that's like all things. <laughs> I do get the strong vibe. Like all of them at different points seem to imply that all they want to do is actually just keep driving to through America with no point and no purpose. Just keep driving forever. And just because yeah. they want to escape, like they want to escape the repercussions of like Penny, the repercussions of what she's yeah. done. Baz wants to escape so that he can find this place where Simon seems to be happy. Simon just wants yeah. to escape everything running from his past. You know, like they just want to escape their problems and be scorched clean in this wide open country where no one knows them. Yeah, it's such a longing for all of them. And I think they're really trying to escape their trauma, right? They're trying mm. to escape the fallout of having lived through one of the worst betrayals in their history as a people, right? The mages mm. had a huge betrayal and trying to figure that out has been awful. And then plus you have this chosen one who was like invented. Yeah. Like he was created and he doesn't really know the circumstances of his birth, which is its own kind of trauma. And and he wasn't supposed to survive and here he has survived, but he doesn't have a purpose now. He doesn't have anything to do. And the first time he gets a purpose, like killing vampires, like, hey, this is something he's done. This is something he knows how to do. He can fight against bad guys. So he's fighting against bad guys. And he feels so alive because he's doing something that he's been told was his purpose. Mm. He knows the script, right? He knows how this goes. He knows what the steps are. Yeah, exactly. He knows what the expectations are and he can actually fulfill them. And that is such a good feeling when you have been unmoored and like at a loss for months and months and of course like agatha is not in this section but she escaped that's what she did Mm. she did a straight up escape try to like get rid of everything that was holding her down if penny wasn't so Mm. persistent agatha's escape is not as healthy i mean i think wherever you are you're there with you and this is something that when you're 20 Mm. you don't really think about but like 100 that's what's happened to all of them they're all there in their own trauma. A change of scenery can only help you so much. You still have to deal with everything. And we see that in the Ren Fair, right? Like Simon is so exhilarated after the end of this fight. Like he's had this great day. He's escaped who he is for a moment. He's escaped mm. his reality. But you can't hold on to that. The problem still remains. And that's what, you know, when Baz tries to kiss him with the fireflies, he's just like right back in it. Yeah. It's starting to creep back already. Yeah. Uh, Jen, to your point, I did want to point out on page 105, Baz says, you have witchcraft in your lips. And Simon goes, is that Shakespeare? Yeah, sorry. I know you prefer Homer. And I kind of wanted to know, do you think this is Baz's way of avoiding a direct I love you? I think it very much is. He says it in so many different ways. And like that particular Mm -hmm. line is from Henry V. It's when Henry proposes to Catherine. So it's a proposal bit, that. Like, people always use it out of context as, like, a romantic Shakespeare thing, but which it is, but it's, like, towards Act 2, I think, of Henry V, and it's when he proposes, and it's, yeah, it's the big speech that he gives her. So, it is a big, and Baz would know the context, because he's obviously into yeah. the, the Shakespeare, right? I do think he says it all the time. He tells him all the time how beautiful he is. He says it, but he doesn't say it, obviously, because he almost doesn't want, he doesn't want Simon to know, because he doesn't think Simon will accept it, so he hides it. yeah. And Simon does things like catching his mom's scarf, which is his way of saying I love you. Like, this is important to you, so I will keep it. I will make sure I don't lose it. And I've already internalized that it's important to you, right? It's not just the fact that he catches it. It's like he knows the history of it. He has remembered the history of it. Yeah, like he made a bit of fun of him at the time for it, but like he wouldn't treat it as if it's something to make fun of. He actually cares and will do the thing. 
and protects him and is worried about him. And at one point he's saying, I, I want to tell Baz not to be distracted by me, like to just fight. Don't mm. look to me. Don't worry about me. And they're both constantly looking for each other in the battle. Yeah. Like, they can't escape each other. And this is the thing. Like they're so, so into each other. They want to be with each other. Yeah. I love it. I think there's something in how Simon expects everyone to be sick of him because he is a normal, but he also kind of desperately wants them to acknowledge that, and they don't do that. They don't acknowledge the way that he feels. Yes. So he says on page 125, because I'm normal again, obviously, though no one will just say so. And I think if someone just acknowledged his situation, he would feel so much better. But he's starting to feel a bit insane because he's like, they keep treating me like I'm not different and I'm different and I need yeah. someone to acknowledge it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, right, when they're walking toward the vampires and, and Baz is like, we've got them at number two mages to and Simon's like, yeah, like I said, we have to go get Penny because he's not a mage. And Baz is counting him as a mage, but he's not a mage. I think Baz also just thinks Simon was so terrible at magic, it actually doesn't matter that he can't do magic. That was never his strength, so that doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, and there's a point where Simon goes, imagine how much I would miss it if I'd ever actually mastered it. Mm. Which is so sad, but also, like, so true. He never felt like he was able to do anything with it. I mean, he talks about how he used to be able to do more when he had a belly full of magic. Mm. But actually, he would just go off. It wasn't directed. It wasn't clever. It wasn't thoughtful. It wasn't magic in the way that Penny and Baz do magic. It didn't make him feel good either. Like in the last book, he talked about how horrible he felt every time he went off, right? Because he couldn't control it because it was so much all of the time. And everyone else around him was like shocked. Like it was like they'd had electricity run through them. Yeah. Mm. That is not a good feeling. No. I love these little references to the mage that is in the section because we're just yet again reminded that Simon doesn't, like, no one knows who Simon is, right? And it's such a tragedy because it would give him such a good anchor. Like, yes, it's horrible, yeah. but... Because there's that bit where, you know, Baz is trying to call the sword of mages for him and mm. he says, I suppose it only works for the mage's heir and Simon says that's nobody anymore and I, I just literally tear my hair out because I'm like, no, 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 you are the mage's heir. And then Baz yeah. describes him like bursting out of the sword vendor's stall, whatever, like the illegitimate grandson of Indiana Jones and Robin Hood. And obviously the mage having previously been described as like Robin Hood. Yeah. I'm just like, green oh, outfit. all the signs are there. They're all there. But yeah. They really are. And it does make me think that like Simon is unable to escape his one destiny because he doesn't have any other context. Hmm. Baz thinks of it as sort of like a, a last minute thing, like, oh, you know, our parents are going to cut out our tongues. We're in so much trouble. We caused all these problems. And he's like, but it's hard not to be euphoric. And also Simon doesn't have parents. It's like an afterthought. Like he's never had parents. Mm. I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about it. My heart was just all over the place listening to this chapter and, and reading it. And I listened to it again when I was driving home from this birthday party. And I was like, oh, my feelings. Yeah. The way that they protect each other, the way that they can't stop orbiting each other. And the way that Penny is just like, she just keeps turning up and doing incredible spells to save them. And her anger is what fuels them and like gets them going. It's incredible. I love it. Yeah. But I feel like they definitely can't escape their supposed destiny of always having to fight, 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 fight. Because they were in a war for so long that that's all that they recognize. And that's all they're good at. I really noticed that the way that Simon and Baz approach fighting is also how they approach their relationship. So you mentioned this quote before, but when they're on the road and they're driving mm -hmm. and they're being followed by shit, you know, page 129, Simon says, well, we can't just go on like this. I'm going mad waiting for something to happen. I've never waited this long for a fight, which is not true because he's been waiting basically a year for Baz to break yeah. up with him. And this is part of the reason he's going stir crazy with that is because he feels like they're on the precipice of something that's yeah. not happening. And so that's why he wants to force this breakup, right? But to that, Baz says, this is safe. This is de-escalation. No one is being hurt, which is exactly how he's approaching the relationship with Simon by not engaging, yeah. by not saying anything because he doesn't want to hurt Simon. And it's it's just so interesting. I don't want to ask because I don't want to hear him say no. It's so interesting to see them vocalize that, but they're talking about this fight that they're going to have with this person who's following them. But they're actually talking about their relationship. Maybe the real relationship was the creepy stalkers driving behind us all the time. Well, that's certainly Penny's real relationship. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> oh, yes. I Look, I love Shep, but I love that he's standing there like, hi, I'm a friendly guy. And they're like, you literally followed us to Carhenge. What are you doing? And he's, he's like, okay, Baz is not shaking my head, uh, hand. I will offer it to Simon. And Simon shakes and Penny's like, oh, <laughs> that would be me and you. You would be like shaking the hand. I'd be like, Jen, don't yeah. shake his hand. It's true. That is absolutely us. And I did my COVID test this morning. I was like, I'm negative. And my housemate was positive. And I'm like, just like our personalities. <laughs> 
like a magnet. You've got to have a North Pole and a South Pole. It doesn't work if you have two North Poles together. They just repel. By that argument, though, I'm going to stay negative forever. Come catch me now, COVID. That's okay. (laughs) You'll have lots of positive friends who are clicking right on to you because that's how it works. Balance. Exactly. I kind of love that Penny has begun working through the expectations of like the consequences of their big magical fight. I love that she's mm. like, great, we have to commit all the sins wholeheartedly. Um, and that she talks about how Baz was clever enough to pretend that it was a show, mm. which I thought was actually quite self-aware of her, that she's like, I'm not clever in that way. I was like, oh, oh she mm. has, she knows. She's got a lot of, I think she's got a lot more in this section. She's kind of got some more awareness of her limitations. So mm. she talks about squaring her shoulders next to Baz because she's used to fighting with people who are more powerful than her. And like she's always done that because Simon's always been more powerful than her. And now it's Baz because he's a vampire and they're in a quiet zone or a dead spot or whatever. So it's it's really interesting to see her getting this little bit of self-awareness. But she does have a point where she says, I think Micah, if he could see me now, would reckon I've gone off the deep end. And I think I have. But I don't think that's true. I think they're just trying to survive. I don't know if they've gone off the deep end. They've been in the deep end for however long. Yeah, I mean, they did make the choice to fight that battle, which maybe if they had paused and thought about it a little bit longer, they might have come to a different solution. I don't know. Like, yeah, was someone in mortal danger? Maybe. I mean, you don't really know. They've made a snap judgment and what we find out about vampires later on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not sure exactly what the situation is. And even then, I'm not necessarily one who believes you should, like, let's say I see, do you always charge into a situation that you can't necessarily win? Do you do that? Do you put yourself in harm's way if you're not necessarily sure that you are gonna affect the outcome? I guess I think I would try, like for myself personally, I would try and make sure that the people who might be getting hurt were okay first. And I would probably try the sneaky trick of, oh, that's where you went off to. Hey, come back. Mom's waiting for us by the car. Or like something Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, that, you mm -hmm. know, I would be like, oh, our friends are back here. Could you come back now? And then if the vampires resisted and I had the power to do something, I would. But I, I just usually friend my way through things. I can be quite charming and I'm really hard to shake. So I use that to my advantage to like defuse situations. I'm not a look away type, but I'm not a cause a fight type. Yeah, I'm not saying look away. And I am very much a cause a fight type. So I'm wanting to talk. But I feel like maybe Penny has gone a little bit off the deep end in terms of her like Bonnie and Clyde crime spree situation. (laughs) The fact that she's been spelling the tank full of petrol for like this entire time, which then bites them in the the bum, right? Like, because... Now they're out of petrol, so... Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And Shep caught on to it. He was like, so you've been spelling... The, you've been charming the tank, haven't you? Like, there's no magic here. Did you notice, just a bit of a tangent, but the angel reference, again, Simon gets free chocolate on his funnel cake because angels get free chocolate sauce on their funnel cake. I thought that was really lovely. And in the... Was it the first or the second section? We talked about, you know, Penny had that, that spell for him and they were arguing, Penny and Baz were arguing, and she said Simon is sufficiently angelic for the spell yeah. to work. Yeah. I was like, that's the second angel reference. I really love it. And I think it's Simon that later describes, we should keep an eye out for this, but he describes Baz as some sort of fallen angel, I think, in the aftermath of this fight. Ooh. I'll have to look out for that. Yeah. They're just so obsessed with each other. Oh, <laughs> like- they are. And we're obsessed with them being obsessed with each other. Honestly, I can't get enough of it. I also love how into what's going on Simon is. Like, he's excited about being at Carhenge. Like, he's here for it. He loves it. This is brilliant. Like, he loves the Ren Faire. Um, you know, he's escaped from himself and he loves just being a guy with fake red wings. That's what people think of him. And he's really happy to be that guy because to everyone else, he's like the failed chosen one slash a deformed ex-mage <laughs> like he's not a normal he's not a mage he doesn't really have a place he fits but here he fits in fine he would be such a great guy to be on holiday with because he would just love anything and everywhere you went he would just be really into it mm-hmm. he'd be like brendan gleason and and bruce <laughs> like he's the one having a great time this is me whenever i'm going somewhere i'm like this is great yeah whereas i'm I'm definitely Colin Farrell and in Bruges, but I'm like, why will I go up in the tower? I can see everything perfectly fine from down there. <laughs> it's good to have some skepticism and to know your limits, but I enjoy being curious. I think it's fun. And when you're going new places, it's it's really fun. Yeah, and Penny also loves being curious. Like, I actually kind of love that she, she asks Shep these questions. Like, she can't help herself. She wants to know. She's like, but why? Mm. Like, she's grumpy about it. But her and Shep are actually so similar, and you already see it in this moment. Yeah. They just go about it in very different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, goodness. This whole section, though, it was so good. I love that they had two big fights. I love, I also love the fireflies moment. Like, what a brief moment of respite, a brief moment of escape for them to just get to see something they've never seen before, to get to hold something that magical in your hand. I'm from the States, and I've still never seen a firefly, and they're just absolute magic incarnate to me. Yeah, I've seen them in South Africa, and we used to have fireflies. Well, and you have glowworms, too. Like, that's the thing that New Zealand has, a whole... Yeah, I've not seen a glowworm. full of beautiful little glowy sticky worms not done that but they do exist um what was i gonna say oh yeah and then they see the pixies which i think is so interesting because in the previous book you know we talked about how there's no they don't know if there are any you know they don't eat pixies anymore and trixie the pixie and all these things yeah yeah and then they see pixies in america just living their best life out in the fields does that mean that simon couldn't see trixie anymore like i guess like towards the end probably that's so sad. That's like a whole friend he would lose. That sucks. And he was the only one who liked her as well. Yeah, everyone else was like so mean to her. I mean, he was always pulling Penny up on being speciesist. Mm. And someone needs to pull Penny up. I'm glad that Simon does. I think that's all I had. I mean, I just, I wrote a lot of notes, but not not very many sensible ones because I was just over, in, I was in my deep in my feels in this section. Yeah, it's a lot. And I do think there are a lot of really lol moments. Like, I wrote a lot of lol in the, the margins. I love that Penny is thinking about, er- like, coming up with a spell to erase all this footage of them. And Baz is like, what? To erase <laughs> the internet, you'd have to cast a holy book and sacrifice seven dragons. And she's like, well, so it's not impossible. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Baz is just like, what? Like that scene from um, Jupiter Ascending when they're, like, rebuilding. And it's like, all the YouTube footage will be scrubbed tomorrow. And she's like... People will remember that an entire tower was destroyed. He's like, no, they won't. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a terrible movie, but it's equally funny. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, and that's kind of what makes it amazing. Um, I also love that that the the goat, you know, Penny is, like, so intrigued by what he is. And she's like, oh, what are you doing outside of Ireland? And he's like, I left four generations ago. And she's, you know, why? Because of this or that? And she's like, because of the English. I just kind yeah. of love that. <laughs> Trying to escape from you people. Mages? Indians? The British. <laughs> the English. Yeah. Oh yeah, fair enough. They're not a particularly nice colonizer, as we well know. No, cause trouble as far as the eye can see. And yeah, I'll say again, I do love that Simon is mostly offended, not for himself, but that they're trying to take advantage of Baz in a way that is making Baz uncomfortable. That's when he really comes to life and decides to murder them all brutally, which is great. Here for that. Love that. Love boyfriends defending boyfriends. I do love that Simon is a little bit jealous, and we'll see that again in this book. Mm. And I kind of just... Mm. He can't express his emotions, but he's not going to let anyone lay hands on Baz. No, absolutely not. Oh, it's so much. It's so good. Um, So yeah, I think that was it for me. Did you have any more or any tangential... The only other tangential that I haven't mentioned is just I really love the line on page 133 where Simon says, I feel linked through the heart to Baz and Penelope. I can feel all of us holding our breath. It's just so beautiful. I love the connection between the three of them. Yeah. Mm. I was having this joke argument with my husband yesterday. We were all talking about our favorite numbers and my favorite number is three and his is four and like my daughter's is five and my son's is seven so we're all odd numbers and my husband's like oh you're wrong and I was like no I'm right because what's the strongest shape it's a triangle and he's like that can't be true and I'm like well they don't make roof trusses into great big squares do they and it was such a dumb argument but I knew I was right about it like I was very convinced of my own rightness and I was thinking about the fact that this trio is such a strong trio because they're three points right Mm. they've each got different strengths and they can bounce off one another and it's never going to be two people head to head fighting because there will always be some third one to weigh in and I think there's something in like having community with a bit of an odd number because then you get more more balance that way by having someone able to tip the balance right mm. yeah and I think the reason we see such uncertainty like such conflict in this book I think is because that as you said they each have their strengths that they bring to the table and this mm-hmm. all of them are doubting that in this book like all of them are having these crises of faith about their yeah. major strengths and that's what kind of yeah. makes the whole thing a little bit unstable yeah so they're all a bit shaky at the moment their roof mm. trust is not passing inspection no it needs to be bolted into place <laughs> yes make it very sturdy oh. <sighs> did you have um an in-depth? I do. So my in-depth is Penny's section when she is freaking out in the car. They're like escaping the Ren Fair. 
she's having a whole thing being like oh my mother's gonna throw me in a witch's hole or whatever it is and she's not even <laughs> gonna ask me any questions and the whole thing is terrible and what was I thinking and all of this is terrible and then on page 118 she says Mike is gonna think I went directly off the deep end as soon as he dumped me I suppose I did so I think this relates to the theme of escape because I think in this instance wanting to escape from the reality of a situation is very prominent like prominent when you are facing trauma of any kind whether you've been dumped mm. whether you're doing dumping whatever you just want to like disconnect from reality right and in a yeah. lot of ways Penny even coming to America was an attempt for her to dis- like, disassociate from the reality that she knew was yeah. there like she's like I can make this different by just changing my location yeah yeah and that is an escape of what she knows to be true and I think there's the expectation as well like there's an expectation of how people expect you to behave especially after Mm. something like a breakup so this is her worrying that oh this is just playing into that trope of you know the distraught crazy ex-girlfriend sort of thing he's gonna see this and know Mm. that he had this effect on me and I cannot possibly let him know that he had any effect on me because that's untoward as well because you don't want that person to have any power over you right you want to be perfectly fine yeah she's not at the revenge body stage yet no so she's just thinking about it and it just reminded me of Legally Blonde because you know when Elle gets dumped and he's going off to Harvard and she's like really in her feelings and she's eating chocolate in bed and then she's like I know what I'll do I'll get into Harvard because like what like it's hard feminist masterpiece Legally Blonde if you haven't seen it highly recommend oh it's an amazing movie it's one of my favorites and then she does get into harvard right and she does like try to Mm. go after him and he is just a jerk and she actually realizes that it's not about him at all i can do this for myself i can make this on my own terms it's not about what he thinks of me right she didn't go off the deep end she's just like this is now going to be my life i found my vocation through this thing that i thought i didn't need but i think that's great And I just think going forward, do it for you. Don't do it on someone else's terms. Don't do it because someone else expects you to behave in a certain way. If you want to be in your feels after a breakup, be in your feels. Who cares what the other half of that equation thinks? It's got nothing to do with them. And then you'll have your glow up and your life will be better for it. Just like Elle Woods, our queen. She's got you. Do it for you. Sometimes you might follow a guy a place and then realize that you're actually where you're meant to be. Even if the thing with the guy doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the idea of like we get to choose what our lives are even though we might not have the purest of motives or we might go somewhere because of someone that doesn't stay in our life like maybe we were led there anyway for a reason or we get to make the best of it there's something really beautiful about that yeah and I think a decision that feels right in the moment is right like regardless of later Mm. on you look back and go oh maybe I would have done that differently it served you in the moment so people often with breakups you know they'll be like don't cut your hair but if cutting your hair makes you feel good cut your hair who cares it grows back come on yeah Dye it, cut it. Don't do it because you're worried about, you know, what Micah's going to think. We don't care about Micah. We're going to live our best lives. We're going to do it for you. Think about what Elle Woods would do, and then you do that. What would Elle Woods do? That is a life lesson to live by. Absolutely. She's amazing. And she got into Harvard without having done pre-law. She got into Harvard on her own merit. She did a fashion design degree and got into Harvard. An amazing woman. She's so smart. We love her. We do. Um, (laughs) What was your in-depth marginalia? Okay, so I picked the bit on page 106, which is one of my favorite parts of the book. Always because it makes me laugh. Also because I think it's actually a really important point that we need to make. Um, Mm -hmm. So on page 106, Simon is sort of talking about the fact that there's lots of scantily clad ladies. And he goes, Mm -hmm. I still haven't sorted out whether I'm still attracted to women or whether I ever was or whether I'm some sort of Baz-only sexual. But the cleavage of this place is abundant and I'm not mad about it. I just really love that he's kind of able to appreciate that because I also love people out there enjoying themselves and like enjoying their bodies in a way that's really fun and lovely i was at the beach the other day and i was thinking that everybody out there wasn't worried about what they look like they were just enjoying the water and it was really beautiful maybe just because i was at the beach the other day thinking about this and thinking about bodies and the way that we treat bodies as this like Mm. public thing but everybody there is also putting on a performance which is nice but he has to kind of then reckon with that like simon has to think like what is my sexuality and it made me wonder like why do we have to define it and what function does it serve to create that distinction are those distinctions inherently necessary i posit that identity markers are personal and so they serve as ways a way of opening up connections between others which is really useful for your community building but if you have community already like simon does like do you really need to be like yes i am this particular type Mm. of queer and my feeling is that we don't have to make those distinctions i also think there's an element of escape really visible here that simon isn't being forced to choose he isn't 
forced to be a mage when he's not a mage. He's not normal because he's at a Ren Fair. His wings are not out of place there. But he still feels some pressure internally to define this particular aspect of his identity. I mean, he says he still hasn't sorted it, which means that he thinks he should sort it. Mm. And maybe being able to just sit back and enjoy it and enjoy Baz being in the playful mood that he's in, surrounded by a bunch of cute busty girls is kind of a nice way to escape the pressure of having to choose. So I think in real life, we as a society absolutely need to stop forcing creators to out themselves in order for the queer stories they tell to be legitimate. And I am mm-hmm, thinking mm-hmm. of Becky Albertelli and Kit Connor and the many, many, many other people who have been outed or have been forced out themselves because of a rabid fan base. It's gross. It's not fair. Nobody's entitled to the private lives of people who make art that we enjoy. Stop demanding it. It's not cool. I just kept thinking about how Simon shouldn't have to choose. And I know a lot of people in the Simon Snow fandom really want him to put a label on it because Mm -hmm. they want to see themselves in him but I am a person who really struggled with labels for a really long time and I love that he's not picking a side I don't want him to have to pick I want him to continue to just be in love with Baz and for that to be enough going forward I'm going to stick to my little mantra about staying in the gray spaces there's a lot of nuance there I'm here for it and I'm just going to remember that those identity markers are not a way to exclude people they're meant to build community and if we're using them as a way to exclude people then we're doing it wrong yeah I think there's definitely a real push. And I I think especially in the younger generation, sorry, Gen Zs, Mm -hmm. but you, and no shade because I love a personality quiz myself. Like I love labeling myself. Give me an abbreviation that I can describe to myself and I'm like into it. I will say that I think there's a real push for people to really like narrow down their personality and there's not much grace for the fact that it is a fluid thing. So what you are, what you identify with now might not be what you identify with in two years. And that doesn't mean that it's a betrayal that you lied to anyone. It just means that you're constantly in flux. And there's a lot of studies that suggest that women's sexuality in particular are a lot more fluid, maybe because we've got more freedom to do that than men. There's a little bit more, less toxic masculinity that holds us in place in a way we can experiment in a way that men maybe can't can't but Mm. i think especially for you know bi people that thinking about kit connor as well this idea that just because you're out seen with an opposite sex partner invalidates your queer partnership or your queer visibility or your queer identity and i think simon feels it in this moment as well where he's like yeah i'm not mad at all these like all this cleavage on display but what does that mean because i'm so (laughs) yeah but like i'm so in love with bears so what does it mean and i think like as queer people we're always as bi people we're always feeling like we have to defend our corner you always have to fight it because it's like if you like one more than the other then well it's obvious that you're just pretending or it's obvious that you're this and you're just like doing it Mm -hmm. for the clout or whatever and you're always being invalidated your existence is being invalidated it's a hard one can't I just think everyone is attractive because so many people are attractive like I just want to love my husband and think everybody else is hot like what is wrong with that (laughs) nothing I'm an equal opportunity ugler love it (laughs) I'm looking respectfully regardless of gender (laughs) people are pretty I can't help it I am an artist and I like I love aesthetics I love looking at how people choose to present themselves I love all of that of course I'm gonna appreciate it and I'm glad that Simon is too love that (laughs) well who did you want to spotlight then this week I'm going to spotlight Shep. He's channeling some real himbo energy, but he's also saving the day. Like, he's just such an idiot. Like, don't follow people to scare them. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, like, who even is this guy? What is he going to do? I'm intrigued. But also, like, I love Shep already from having read the book before. And also, the third book is incredible for Shep. I just love him. But, yeah. Mm. he's so dumb he's so dumb like he just watched these guys obliterate seven vampires and he's like i'm gonna follow them (laughs) like who does this who are you gonna spotlight this week oh i'm just gonna be a broken record because i'm spotlighting bears again Mm. i just think he is trying so hard to express his love in a way that he only he understands and no one else sees but he's trying like he's always reaching for simon he just reaches and reaches but he can't get through and he doesn't know how to get through and i just think it's so hard for him. Yeah. And he gets shot. Like, he gets shot in this section. Like, this fight. He's yeah. gotten, he got shot in the chest. And he hasn't realized it yet. But, yeah. And he's been, like, sexually assaulted just now as well. Like, yeah. I mean, we kind of glossed over it. But that was what was happening. The other guy was being very skeevy to him. Mm. I'm glad that Simon went off at that point. I would have also probably gone off at that point. Same. Same. Good work, Simon. 
Do you have any homework for our listeners? I do. So I'm going to recommend that you all watch Poker Face. It's a new television show directed by Ryan Johnson. Stars Natasha Lyon. It's basically nice out vibes, but on the road. So she is, it's great. It's relevant to this because it's out of, it starts off in Vegas and then she hits Route 66 and we just go on a massive road trip through America and she solves crimes every episode. She solves little mysteries. I love that. Every episode. It's got great vibes. I've only watched two episodes, but so far really into it. And yeah, it's got big American road trip, Vegas, Route 66 vibes, which, you know, plays right into this book. So that's what I'm recommending. Oh, that sounds great. What is your homework? Uh, I think everybody should read Emily Wilson's translation of The Odyssey. I picked it up a little bit this week thinking about um, Simon having been made to read it by the maid and I really loved her translation specifically she does a lot of interesting things with how she describes and there's a huge forward it's like a third of the book where she talks about why she translated certain things the way she did which is worth reading um the audiobook is narrated by Claire Dane so I can really recommend that too but it's such a great translation and she's doing the Iliad which is out sometime this year maybe mm-hmm, next year mm-hmm. sometime soon yeah. and I'm just like waiting because I've never read the Iliad and I really want to um and I also wanted to oh there was something else I had did I write it down there's another homework I wanted to suggest to people oh life that glows by david attenborough where he actually talks about how fireflies work is really cool if you're like me and you're like how does it work um that is like an hour-long documentary that talks exactly about how fireflies work even if you don't see the pixies in the field you can still see lots of bioluminescent critters which is kind of my jam so that's my homework for the week cute love that yeah uh, so next week we're going to be reading chapters 28 through 33 through the theme of curiosity which is perfect for chef very mm-hmm. excited gonna be fun yeah great can't wait um thank you so much for potting as always oh, thank you so much and thanks for starting a little bit late so i could go to this birthday party this easy great. easy <laughs> <laughs> thank you i appreciate it love you so much i'll see you next week see you next week thank you for joining us today marginalia pod is written edited and produced by us gen d and gen v We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to hello at marginaliapod.com, check out our Instagram, or maybe dash up a quick review. You can also subscribe so you never miss an episode. Our music is by Scott Buckley, and the logo artwork is by Laura Cato. You can find detailed show notes for each episode and much more at our website www.marginaliapod.com. Special thanks to all the people in our various communities whose love and care sustains us. Without your support, we would be very sad little critters. We appreciate you. And to you, our wonderful listeners, thanks again for being here. We love spending this time with you. 